All right. So uh, currently I'm sitting in my hotel room in Sevilla, which is on the southwest coast of Spain, uh, about an hour and a half from the ocean. And I am watching the news on my laptop. And this, this is what I'm hearing. Breaking news in America this morning. New urgency in the fight against the coronavirus. The number of cases surging. Do Americans need to shelter in place? The global death toll from this pandemic is now over 7,500. I want to focus on Europe because it's become the epicenter of the virus. First Australia in a border shutdown. Tough restrictions coming into effect to contain the coronavirus outbreak. Then something happened that I was absolutely not prepared for. My fellow Americans, Tonight, I want to speak with you about our nation's unprecedented response to the coronavirus outbreak that started in China and is now spreading throughout the world. Being in Spain for business, this announcement was something I was so not prepared for. And the big problem came a few minutes into his address. There's one thing he said that made me start to worry. After consulting with our top government health professionals, I have decided to take several strong but necessary actions to protect the health and well-being of all Americans. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. Cue chaos. I was in Spain on business and now had just 24 hours to get out before the travel restrictions kicked in. This week, we're talking about my journey home and the impact of COVID-19 around the world, and hopefully giving you a few tips on how to navigate the storm. This is Finding Health. Let's go get some answers. Now that I'm back in the States, I've had some time to stop and take stock of what has been going on. The headlines are flying, and there's a lot to pay attention to. So take a second to step back with me, take a deep breath, and let's navigate this together. Many lives, jobs, and financial situations have been thrown up into the air over the last two weeks. Unfortunately, I was in that mix. Within 24 hours, my full-time job was suspended, and I was on a plane home, set to land in Cleveland at 11.54 p.m., just minutes before the travel restrictions kicked in. And first, I want to tell you about my travel day, and then I want to tell you about my attempt to get tested. My travel back into the United States was strangely normal. The only difference was the pilot read a short note from TSA, discouraging people from gathering near the bathrooms on the plane, and some folks were wearing masks. Other than that, I passed into the U.S. with no issues. Once I was back in the States, however, I developed a stuffy nose and slight cough. I'll admit I was a bit fearful. I went to a nearby testing location and they took my vitals, temperature, pulse, oxygen levels, everything came back normal. So despite my travel history, I was denied a test, as I did not fit the criteria. 
I did push back a bit. I was worried about my cold-like symptoms of a stuffy nose and a cough, and the doctors told me that I should continue to self-quarantine and come back if I had trouble breathing. I found this somewhat disappointing. I live in a pretty rural area, so I started to think that maybe the challenge to access these tests was something I was experiencing because of my geographic area. There was some panic here. The grocery stores were pretty well cleaned out, and the state had shut down all bars and restaurants, which did require a shift in the way we live. In order to compare my experience, I called my friend Katie, who lives in Brooklyn, to see how things were shaping up in the city. It's definitely, I wouldn't say that it's a bad vibe or a negative vibe. It's definitely a little more cautious, but it's not like, you know, you walk outside and everyone is like freaking out and panicking, but there's definitely a sense of like something very weird is happening here that no one has ever experienced before. So it's just kind of like little things like I went to the grocery store this morning around like nine o'clock like right before the store opened there was already a line kind of out the door to get into the store and typically if that was the situation like people are lining up to get into something like we would all be bunched up together like you know get out the way like let me in let me in let me in and everybody was standing like five feet apart um So just like little stuff kind of like that. And it also kind of depends on where you are and what time of day. Like I did experience, I have like a grocery store experience a few days ago at like 4.30 in the afternoon. It was crazy busy. And like there was that sense of like panic. And I found myself being like, oh my God, I have to get, you know, like toilet paper and food and everything I need for like the next year because who knows what's happening. So that was like a little weird. But other than that, I mean, there's definitely less people out on the sidewalk and definitely less people doing uh, the MTA and public transit. But I wouldn't say it's a overall, I wouldn't say that it's like terrible. So things were a little different in New York, but not overwhelmingly chaotic. I just want to like preface everything I say with like, I am a single lady with no children and uh you know my job is not nine to five I kind of make my own schedule so my experience is probably way easier than somebody else's experience why do you say that as in uh not having a nine to five means you're not out and about at peak times yeah that and like I'm not I'm not doing and trying to do a nine to five job from my apartment while I've got my kids running around because school is canceled Um, you know, I'm only responsible for myself. Um, that's kind of just what I mean by like my experience is easier. I'm not dealing with, you know, out of school children and, uh, you know, a partner who might be, but I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You don't have a ton of chaos at home, so it's easier for you to avoid some of the chaos and panic others may be experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. That is what I'm saying. Do you notice any differences in the day-to-day of the city as far as people taking extra precautions like masks? Yeah, for sure. Definitely a lot of hand sanitizer popping out of people's bags and pockets. Um, I'd say probably about like 10% of the population is doing face masks and a lot of like latex gloves. 
Um, that's something that I'm actually doing as well because I am still occasionally using the subway and I don't want to touch anything. Um, but yeah, probably, well, 10% would be like one in 10. Yeah, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, but definitely a lot of face masks, a lot of plastic gloves, a lot of hand sanitizer. You brought up the MTA. What, what's that like? How's the subway system in New York? Um, it's way sparser. Um, I haven't been on during like a prime time, but I think most people are working from home. So I don't know if subway prime time still exists right now. Um, there's probably a lot more people still using it than you would think, but um, I haven't gotten on and like had to stand. There's always a seat available. So people are definitely still using it, but way less. And what do you see in the future for New York? Um, I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. Cause like I said, there's still people out, still people using public transit a lot. Um, a lot of people, I still feel like maybe have that sense of I'm not in trouble, especially the youngins. Um, I took like a walk outside last night and there's still a ton of people like out in the parks and on the sidewalk. Um, so I think maybe this time next week, we're going to see a lot more cases. And, uh, I think maybe we're going to see an actual like full city lockdown. I would not be surprised if that happens, uh, in a few days. What does that look like? Have they ever locked down New York? What would that entail? Ooh, I have no idea. I don't know if anybody knows. I mean, I wasn't living in New York um, when September 11th happened because I was a child. But um, I have heard a couple of, um, (laughs) I don't want to say old people. I've heard a couple of people who are adults living in New York City when September 11th happened um, who kind of are comparing this to that. Um just in the sense like nobody leaves their apartments you're not going to go to work you're definitely not going to get on the subway um it's just kind of a standstill so maybe something like that but um who knows who knows let's talk about testing what is the status of testing in new york do you see signs that are directing people where to go get tested would you know where to go to get tested if you needed to? No, for sure not. I definitely haven't seen any signs like get tested here. Um, but I think like the last thing I heard was Cuomo was just saying, uh, if you've got the dry cough, the fever, call your doctor and then get further directions as to what to do um, after you've talked to your doctor about your symptoms. But no, I haven't. I haven't, I don't know anybody who's been tested and I haven't seen any signs on any like doctor's offices or urgent cares that say, you know, come on in and get tested. So that's, I don't think that's happening. I could be wrong, but I haven't seen anything like it. And how is this affecting you personally? What do you do for work and how have you felt any uh, side effects of all of this? Um, so I am a personal trainer. Um, we have, when I say we, I mean like the training company that I work for, we've switched to training online. So we're doing, um, online sessions with our clients. Um, and I'm still meeting a couple of people in the park if they're comfortable with it. Um, I will just take my equipment to, um, a park, an outdoor space, kind of away from people. I've got like my Clorox wipes. So I wipe down all of my equipment, um, before and after 
we use it and um that's like our studio is obviously closed so um if it does get worse then i'll stop doing that completely and just go totally to online training katie is hosting sessions online for donations so if you are cooped up at home and interested in having a professional personal trainer help you burn some of that energy you can find her on Instagram at katie.swan for more information about her virtual workouts. So, it's not just me. There's confusion about getting tested, even in places like New York. So though there is a lot of information flying around, take a deep breath and remember, communication is key. It's important to follow the CDC's and WHO's advice for this pandemic. Wash your hands often for 20 seconds with soap, Try to avoid large crowds, public spaces, and if you do feel sick, stay home and call your doctor. Since testing can be hard and different everywhere, while Katie may have not known where to go, I was able to drive up to the local hospital and be screened without even leaving my car, even though I didn't get tested. So it is best to call your doctor or a coronavirus hotline to see what the best protocol is for your area, and isolate yourself from others if you do feel symptoms. After the break, we're going to talk to an old friend of the show about how some of the challenges of our medical system are being strained by this outbreak. Our show is 100% supported by listeners like you. If you would like to join our family of supporters, visit www.reneecfrank.org to make a $10 donation today. Your donation will help us continue to stay on the air and to create more shows that will help you learn about navigating the complex world of healthcare. I also want to take a second to ask you to rate and review our show. Whether you listen on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, reviews and ratings are how new people will discover the show. So take a second to leave us a review. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at finding underscore podcast. Okay, so let's take another second to step back and take a deep breath. Ah, yes, testing may be tough. But if we continue to react with extreme social distancing, many experts think that we can reduce the spread of the virus. Through this process, though, one thing was becoming clear. There were some major challenges in our system that might exacerbate the problem. I called a good friend of the show, Caitlin Donovan, from the National Patient Advocacy Foundation, to talk about them. Hi, this is Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. This is Brandon. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Oh, this coronavirus, huh? Yeah, I think it's catching on. I told Caitlin a little bit about my journey home from Spain and asked what her thoughts were about our response as a country. So what we've been saying from the get-go is that there's nothing quite like a pandemic to reveal all the inadequacies in our healthcare system, and this is really doing that. As her organization, uh, the National Patient Advocacy Foundation, deals mainly with those who either do not have insurance or are underinsured, I was curious about what kinds of things she was hearing from those who her organization serves. Um, what what concerns do you have for someone who, you know, uh, maybe doesn't have insurance, even though the, 
the the fee of the test may be waived, that the fees uh, associated with the care may not be waived. What what kind of concerns are you hearing from people there? I haven't heard any. We haven't heard anything directly from people who are affected yet. Um, I, what I have heard are from people who are underinsured or uninsured that they're worried about the bills that could come. Traditionally, what's been true for years now is that Americans have expressed greater concerns about the debt that comes with medical care than the actual condition or disease itself. Um, I hope right now that people understand that they need to get um, care and they need to get tested and they need to do that because it's not just about them. It's also about the health of their entire community. Um, these, this is a really serious situation and like being cavalier about it and um, just taking some, you know, Advil and hoping for the best is not going to cut it. Um, we have to exercise a lot of caution. Um, so do you, do you see uh, any, any frustrations? I mean, where are you at right now? Some people do seem to be treating it very cavalierly. Uh, and it seems like maybe the response from our uh, own government organizations isn't what we would want it to be. Where, where do you stand with all that? It's really strange to watch everything because you were really seeing firsthand how our kind of cobbled approach to public health plays out in a serious situation because there hasn't been very strong leadership from the top. We've seen that. In the meantime, states are responding differently from other states. And then within states, different municipalities are responding differently. I know here in New Jersey, um, our town basically shut everything else down, whereas a few towns over, there are still crowded bars. And obviously the timing of this with St. Patrick's Day, there's going just going to be a population of people who decide that either because they feel young and invincible or because they're getting their news from the wrong sources that this isn't going to apply to them and they're going to be fine. And even if they are fine, they may wind up spreading the disease. And that is really concerning for people who have chronic conditions or are in that higher risk population who could end up being infected um, and then have a very serious medical situation, not to mention financial situation, as we just discussed. Caitlin's right. While I am not worried much about myself as a 25-year-old, relatively healthy person, one of the big reasons I attempted to get tested was to help the authorities be able to track the source of the disease. I have elderly grandparents that live six or seven miles down the road, and while as of the time of this recording there are no confirmed cases in my county, If I was the first, I wanted the local hospital and health board to be aware so they could begin to scrutinize the area. One of the things I'm doing to play my part is self-quarantine. I'm spending 14 days at home, waiting to see if I develop symptoms. And for everyone else, social distancing is so important. Or, as Caitlin would say, compassionate space. My boss was actually talking about how we, instead of saying social distancing, we should be talking about compassionate space (laughs) Um, because it's not just about something we're doing for ourselves. It's what we're doing for the people around us. Um, But I mean, the the idea that we don't have enough tests and it it is scary, Um, but we should also keep in mind too, that if you look at what they did in China and in Korea and how they triage patients for them, Getting to the point where you're taking a test was actually about the fourth level or the fourth step in the process. The first step was making sure that person, as soon as they have a symptom, as soon as they have a temperature, was quarantined and in a specially designated kind of fever zone. And then from there, they test them for other potential um, infections or the flu um, 
And then after that, if that came back negative and they still had these symptoms, then they got the test. One of the things Caitlin said stuck with me. She pointed out that our medical system was not only straining to put together a response to the COVID-19 outbreak, but the side effects of the outbreak were hard on the system and the people as well. And that's the other thing is that, so my husband um, was trying to get a refill on one of his prescriptions and he's been trying for four days now to get it. And his doctor's office is just so jam-packed with requests that it's taking them a long time to get to him and to properly um, get his prescription filled. So not only are doctors trying to help patients who may have the virus, but they're having a hard time. Those patients are having a hard time getting to them probably because of all the other requests because of the garbled responses by some of the people who are supposed to be in charge of public health. I didn't know there was such a rush to stock up on prescription drugs. Is that something people should be concerned about? And if so, how concerned? Well, people should be concerned because not only are people rushing and creating kind of our own um, supply run, but some of these medications or parts of uh, medical supplies are manufactured in China or in other countries where we're going to have a long delay in getting those supplies here. Um, so it is good advice if you have a chronic condition to try and get more than one month's refill, especially if there's a chance that they could be in quarantine in your town. Um, like I said, the problem is that some people may not be able to afford to do that at once. Let's take a step back again. I feel like we're throwing a lot of information out there. Our show is designed to take deep topics and break them down in easy-to-digest ways. We're not here to solve the problems of the healthcare system, but to help you navigate it. So let's take a second to digest what Caitlin just said. We can't change our healthcare system as individuals, but there are things we can do as individuals to make a difference in the spread and treatment of something like the coronavirus. First, social distancing or compassionate space. Stay away from others as much as you can. Second, hygiene. Like we said before the break, washing your hands regularly is important. Try to avoid touching your face. Third, isolation. If you feel symptoms of the novel coronavirus, such as a fever or a dry cough, stay at home. Stay away from others. Don't just socially distance. Isolate. Third, call your local healthcare provider or hospital. Many places are setting up hotlines for just this purpose. And like Caitlin said, every state, city, and municipality is doing things a little differently. So communicate, call, and ask what your next steps should be. Avoid rushing into the ER where you might spread the virus to others or catch it if you don't have it. Taking a few basic steps like these can help us lower the spread of infection and the speed of the spread. If we all as a society take on what can feel like extreme protective measures, we can slow down the spread, but only if we do it together. Don't panic, take a deep breath, but do take it seriously. Be safe, lovely listeners, and stay healthy. Finding Healthcare is a production from the Renee C. Frink Society. It was executive produced by me, Brandon Stewart, and one of our researchers is Megan Crutchfield in PH. Our editor and master engineer is Benji Block. 
Don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at finding underscore podcast. And thanks to Caitlin from the National Patient Advocacy Foundation for chatting with us, as well as Katie from Brooklyn. You can learn more about Caitlin's organization at npaf.org.